0: The High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor Chris Starr. I am beginning a series today entitled We Don't Handle Snakes. We don't handle snakes. And I entitled it that way on purpose, and you'll understand in just a minute. But I do want to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, if you want to turn there with me and hold that. Here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, it wasn't fire, but it was like fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Thank you, you can be seated. All right, so I sent my wife on an errand this week. She works at Anderson University, which is a Southern Baptist university, but A lot of the personnel there have come from multiple backgrounds, church backgrounds. And I said, I want you to do something to help me with my sermon. I want you to go into work, talk to your colleagues. A lot of these are professionals. Most of them are professionals. And I I want you to ask them this question. When I say the word Pentecostal, what word comes to your mind? And so she did this for me, and the results were fascinating. She asked one person, and they said, well, I just think a church. I thought, okay, that was a safe answer. That was the politically correct answer. Another one said um, exuberant. Would you define yourself as exuberant, high praises? I would say yes, amen. One of them then said uh, tongues stuff. Now we're getting into the meat of the matter. I thought this was interesting. Another one said fanatical they must have had a bad experience somewhere in a Pentecostal church. Now, this is my favorite one of all. She said, my mother-in-law wearing a beehive hairdo. Marge Simpson, you know. Uh, and that was part of it. Some of you uh, didn't get to experience that. Leah said to, this to someone else, and they said, it makes me think of holy rollers. Y'all, some of y'all don't even know what a holy roller is, do you? They're people that roll. That are holy. Uh, and then the last one was just lively. Evidently, they've been to a Pentecostal church and they said it was lively. Well, she asked one person, and sure enough, she got the answer. They, she said, What do you think of when I say the word Pentecostal? And they said, Snake handling. Snake handling. I cannot count the number of times, y'all, that I have been talking with people and they find out I'm a pastor. And they say, well, where do you pastor? And I'll say, high praises church. And then they'll ask me, what kind of church is it? And I'll say, it's a Pentecostal church. And I cannot tell you how many. And the first thing they say is, do y'all handle snakes? Do y'all handle snakes? Well, of course my answer is no. We don't have a box of rattlesnakes over here in a corner somewhere. Because if we're going to do that, I'm going to volunteer the pastoral staff first. I'm not going to do it. We'll we'll volunteer. But we don't do that, okay? I I tried to figure out where did this come from, and the only thing I can figure is that in 2013, National Geographic Channel sponsored a a show called Snake Salvation. Uh, It was about two pastors in their churches, one was in Kentucky, one was in uh, Tennessee, that were Pentecostal, spirit-filled churches that handled snakes. And there are churches that do that, y'all. Um, and, and one of them said their name was Church of God, but they're not this Church of God. They're not us. And so um, that show was on and people watched it. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so uh, I may cough, I have a tickle on my throat. And uh, it's been battling it all week. And so, what's wrong? Did I say something? I said I had a tickle on my throat. What's wrong with that? Huh? All oh, the cough, it ain't Corona. I've been to the doctor, I'm okay. Uh, or she was wrong, <laughs> tough luck for you. <sighs> and so, uh, uh, now I don't even know what I was talking about. Okay, the this, this show. And so, I, I just think people saw that in America and, and put the two together, and so they think Pentecostal, they snake handle. But listen, the vast majority of Pentecostal churches, 99.999, do not handle snakes, Okay? A good snake is a dead snake, unless it's a black snake, then I'll leave it alone. Um, Where did this whole concept come from for them, though? Well, you have to go to Mark chapter 16, and I've actually got it on the screen for you. It's verses 17 and 18. Jesus said this, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. Now watch this, there it is, they will take up serpents, see it? They'll take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. All right, now a lot of scholars question the authenticity of verses 9 through 20 in Mark chapter 16 because some of the earlier manuscripts omit this passage, and because some people say the style doesn't reflect the rest of Mark. I'm not, I'm not here to do a canonical dissertation this morning, but trust me, there is ample evidence, a lot more evidence that this passage belongs in Mark. And so it is real, it is authentic, and these are the words of Jesus. So what did Jesus mean when he said that that we'll take up serpents? I can tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we're going to handle snakes in a religious ceremony. I think what it does mean, if you look at the word in the Greek, to, to take up could also mean to cast away or to remove. So it means to remove serpents or to take away serpents. And we actually have a biblical illustration of this in Acts where the apostle Paul had been shipwrecked, and they, were, they all got on the island of Malta uh, from the shipwreck. And so they were building a fire because there was a rainstorm, and they were trying to drive out. <clears throat> Paul got a, a tree branch to put in the fire, and a venomous viper was on there. I guess a viper is venomous by definition, so I, anyway, that's the wordsmith in me. I, sorry, I'm plagued. And so they, this viper latches onto him, and Paul shakes it off in the fire, and nothing happens to him. <clears throat> now, the, the, the natives saw that and said, oh, the God of justice with a capital J has got him. He escaped death through the shipwreck, but he's gonna die from the, the viper, They thought that was a God. Well, instead, Paul doesn't die. He is divinely protected by God, see? And then they said, oh, well, then he must be a God. And he told them, I'm not a God, but I'm gonna tell you about the true and the living God. So um, that's, I think that's what that means. I think it has to do with divine protection. Do you notice that the next verse says, if they drink any deadly poison, it shall not harm them? I don't see any churches drinking cyanide, do you? I don't see them breaking out cyanide. They'll break out rattlesnakes, but they won't break out cyanide. So anyway, I just thought that was interesting. So now that, and by the way, I believe snake handling is really a form of testing God, by the way. So I don't think you should do that. So now that we've determined that snake handling does not define being spirit-filled or Pentecostal what does? And this is what I want to preach today. We believe that a born-again believer can and should be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it means to be Pentecostal or to be spirit-filled, that you can be filled and should be filled with the Holy Ghost. Y'all have to bear with me. <clears throat> I've been fighting this. I don't have the coronavirus. I know y'all, if the people start leaving out the doors, ushers, just let them go. <clears throat> You're going to bring me some water. Thank you very much. All right, look at somebody and just talk to him for a second there we go all right let me t- i'm going to do I'm doing more teaching this morning than pentecostal Pentecostal preaching usually when Pentecostal preachers talk talking this subject we you know we're fired up but today the Lord told me to teach so i'm going to teach you today if you're born again, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you first corinthians three sixteen says do you not know that you're that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit dwells in you. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the dwelling place or the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? When you start preaching about being filled with the Spirit, some people go, whoa, okay, I don't know about that. I don't know if I want to talk about that. That's, Listen, the Holy Spirit is already in you. Sin went out, and the Holy Spirit came in when you got saved. You don't have to come to church to meet God. You brought God with you. You'll take God with you when you leave. So the Spirit of God lives inside of you. God gave you the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible says they receive the Spirit in a measure. I don't believe you get like two-thirds of the Holy Spirit when you're saved, but you got to get the other third when you're filled. I don't think the meaning there is substantive. Rather, I think it has to do with the dimension of the Spirit operating in your life, His power working within you. Because being filled with the Spirit is directly connected with the power of God. So here's how I look at it. When God saves you and puts His Spirit inside of you, He does that to help you to be like Jesus. You know, the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, self-control, faith, patient endurance. He helps to transform your character. But when you are filled with the Spirit, it's so you can do for Jesus. Not just to be like Jesus, but to do things for Jesus. Is this making sense to everybody? So here's what we're learning. We believe that you can experience the fullness of the Spirit, something that goes beyond his indwelling. It's a second experience that follows salvation. It's separate from salvation, but it's contingent upon salvation. The Bible calls it being filled with the Spirit, or being baptized with the Holy Spirit. This is what happened to the early church in Acts chapter 2 that we just read. They are praying. A lot of scholars think there was 120 of them because it says, you know, there were 120 followers. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. Jesus' biological brothers were there, stepbrothers. Um, The disciples were there. 120 people. They're praying. They're seeking the Lord. They're praying in the morning. It's 9 o'clock in the morning when suddenly, They're caught off guard. The sound of a hurricane-force wind fills their room, but the curtains aren't moving. And then in the room, there appears this giant ball of fire, okay, and it splits into 120 tongues and settles upon each believer. And the Bible says they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or languages as the Spirit gave them the words to say. That is the first Pentecostal experience, all right? Jesus told them to to go to Jerusalem and pray to do this until they receive this, this gift from God. As a matter of fact, Luke 24, 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Now, I don't know about you, but that is not a word that I use in my everyday vocabulary, okay? So I'm gonna try. I got up this morning... And endued clothes. I endued, because to do, in, to endued means to put on clothes, to put on something, usually to put on clothing. Aren't you glad I endued this morning? <clears throat> but Jesus said, you're not gonna put on clothes, you're gonna put on power, supernatural power, divine power. So you put on power. So I want you to understand it is the clothing of God, God in clothing you, equipping you with power. Now, here on the, on the, on the campus, we have Anderson County Sheriffs that are here on site for our protection. <clears throat> and when they got up this morning, I know most of them, uh, when they got up this morning, they got dressed and, and they put on their uniform. They didn't put on civilian clothes like we have, they put on a uniform. And as they put on their uniform, They got a belt and put it on that had a holster with probably a 9-millimeter, 40-caliber, a Glock, okay? Uh, Either a 9-millimeter or or 40-caliber Glock pistol, handcuffs, pepper spray, tasers. That's in case we Pentecostals get out of hand. I'm just kidding. That's not true. What are they doing? They're putting on power. See, let me teach you something. They have a badge, which is their authority, but the belt has the power. God has given us authority, but he also gives us power. And that power is to do good and to affect people positively, okay? It's putting on power. So why do we need power? It's two reasons. Number one, so you can do what Jesus did. There is a verse in the Bible that is very important. John fourteen twelve. most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, the works that I do he will do also, did you get that? What I did, you're gonna do. And he said, "In greater works than these you're gonna do because I go to my Father. Now, now the, the one little key that phrase that's really important here is because I go to my Father. What's the big deal about Jesus going back to the Father? He said, if I, if I don't go back to the Father, I'm here and the Holy Spirit's there. But as soon as I get back to heaven, the Holy Spirit's gonna come down in my place. And, and then he's gonna fill you and then he's going to equip you with power so that you can do what I did. He said, well, how can we do greater works? Because there's more of us. See, where we can do greater things than even Jesus did because we are the body incarnate. Somebody said well, the church is the second incarnation. It's a cool thought, isn't it? So we're equipped with this power. So why do we need this power? Because there is an enemy that is wreaking havoc in the lives of people named Satan. And when Jesus came, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Acts uh, 10 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Same thing with us. God is with us and God is in us and we have this power and an anointing that we can go and undo what the devil has done in people's lives. We can loose what the devil's bound. We can heal what the devil's hurt. We can mend what the devil has broken. See, we can shine light in the devil's darkness. Y'all, what I'm trying to say to you is you can have power to do things that are supernatural, such as you're talking to someone, or maybe in your own life you have a decision to make, and it's beyond your means of thinking and of figuring it out. And And you just don't know what to do, and you can pray, and God can give you wisdom beyond yourself and show you something, and then you're able to deal with it. And when it's over, you go, where did that come from? God can show you something supernatural that in your own natural self you have no knowledge, but he reveals it to you, and that knowledge enables you to help somebody, to minister to somebody, or to make a right decision, and you know there's no way I knew that. The only way I knew that is that God showed me that. You can lay hands on somebody who's sick, your child, and say, God, in the name of Jesus, let your power flow and they can be healed of whatever it is that's plaguing them. I'm talking about supernatural power that whatever Jesus did, we can do. Anybody want to have that power in this place this morning? So that's why. Second, so so we can do what Jesus did. Second, it's so you can fulfill your personal calling. I know that everybody in this room who's born again has a calling on your life to do something for God. You're passionate about something that you want to do for Jesus. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Do you get that? You're created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <clears throat> it isn't just something that you do every once in a while, It's how you live. You know, we got volunteers right now that aren't even in this building, or they're in this building. Some are not in this building. They're missing the service in multiple areas, but they're serving right now because they're passionate, and it's their calling. And they're doing what God has enabled them to do and called them to do. And they're doing it, many of them, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The anointing, y'all, makes the difference. I've been preaching a long time. I remember I asked my dad a question uh, <clears throat> a few years ago I asked my dad I said dad do you still get nervous When you preach You've been preaching for years you preached all over the world You know, you preached, He's preached way, way beyond anything I've ever done I said do you ever He said oh yeah He said I still get butterflies I said you got to be kidding me He said nope and I hope I never lose them I said why He said because the day I lose them I'll start leaning on me But he said I, when I have those butterflies I have to lean on Jesus Lean on the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something. When you lean on the power of God, and you're anointed, it'll you can have the great, you can have a singer that could be on the voice who could have a four-chair turnaround. All right. And and you could just be phenomenal. And people are just like, ah, he's he or she is so awesome. And they could sing a gospel song and everybody would just ooh and all ah because it sounds good, but nobody would be changed. So you could take that same song and get somebody who's anointed who's an average singer and they can sing it and people will cry and get under conviction and be blessed because of the power and the anointing of God. I would, I, I would rather I would rather have the anointing on a regular sermon than preach a masterpiece with no anointing of God. I'll be honest, and I've been sick this week. I don't have the coronavirus, but I've been sick this week. Fighting this cough, I apologize, I don't usually do this. And, you know, when you're sick, you don't feel real spiritual. I'll just be honest, you know, I'm a real person, y'all know that. I, you don't feel real spiritual. But I've prayed this week. And I came to this pulpit today, and I, this platform, and I, I said, God, you're going to have to help me. And I, I know that I don't, I don't feel, you know, like a fired up Pentecostal preacher today. But it's, it's, not, it's, not this, it's not the outward show, y'all. It's not the sensationalism. It's just the Holy Spirit taking who you are and what you, what you have. And as you offer it to him, he enables it and empowers it that it touches people's lives. And I'm just telling you today, that power is available for you so that you can be equipped to do what God's called you to do. I mean, whatever it is, and we always think about in the church, but, y'all, there are only so many jobs in the church. But we, we have church in here, but we are the church when we leave. And I, I got in an argument with a guy that was a landscaper at my church, and he, will, he, would, he would take his equipment and for free go mow the grass for a few widows and single women who just couldn't afford it. And I said, man, that's your ministry. He said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. He said, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. He said, no, it's not. I said, will you stop arguing with me? I think I know what ministry is. I said, it's your ministry. He said, what do you mean? I said, that's what you can do. It's what you're gifted to do, equipped to do. And I said, you're helping those people. He said, I never saw it that way. I said, well, you do now. But That's my point is whatever you can do to help people. We've got a group of men in this church that uh, if we have people in our church that get in a situation where they, they have steps in their church, but they have physical problems. We go in and build ramps for them. We build I don't know how many ramps in churches. And that's what they do. That's their gift. You say, well, do you need the anointing? Absolutely. Or you might drive a nail through your thumb or something. I don't know. But, you know, it's not just the work of the ramp, but it's how they minister to the people that are there while they minister and talk to them and help them. See, you need the anointing for everything you do, and it can make all the difference in the world. I remember there was this lady years ago, she sang in a group with Leah at our church at Praise Cathedral and that started this church, and she's just a wonderful lady, one of the best altos I've ever heard in my life, but we were talking, and she, she disclosed to me that she wasn't filled with the Spirit. I said, you got to be kidding me, and I think she got kind of a little offended. She thought I was judging her. I said, whoa, 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 I'm not judging you. I just, I kind of assumed, because you grew up with this thing, she said, no, I've never been baptized. And I looked at her, I said, you know what? you need to pray to God for God. I said, you're on the best altos I've ever heard in my life. You're one of the best singers I've ever heard. I said, I'm telling you, when you get filled with the Spirit, it'll change. You, watch, you just watch. Well, one Sunday night, we were at church, and she was up singing, and she decided to take her worship to another level, and God baptized her in the Holy Ghost while she was on stage singing. She started speaking in tongues, and God filled with the Spirit. She came back to me shortly thereafter, and she said, I owe you an apology. I said, how come? She said, man, you were right. She said, you kind of offended me. She said, but ever since God filled me with the Spirit, she said, you're right, it's different. She said, there's a power and an anointing when I sing. I said, I tried to tell you that. I said, the anointing makes the difference. Whether you're singing or anything you do in life, y'all, God wants to, I want you to be hungry for this power because it's for everybody. It's for everybody. See, we, we all need that power from God. The baptism with the Holy Spirit is for every believer, but unfortunately, not every believer seeks for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So, who does? I think there are three categories of people in my humble estimation. Number one, there are those who want more of God. I can't tell you the times that I've talked to people who come from a non Pentecostal background and they'll, they'll get in our church and they'll come to me, and, they, and it's a lot of times they're crying or you can just see it in their eyes the intensity. They say, Pastor, I want more. I want more. I call it the more. I want more. I just want more. I just want more. I want more of God. I just want more. And I, don't, and I look at them and say, You know what that is, right? I said, what is it? I said, it's the, it's the Holy Spirit. The more is in the Bible. It's the next thing after salvation. It's getting filled with the Holy Spirit, going deeper, having that greater dimension of God and his power in your life. That's what you're wanting. And, y'all, when you get hungry and you get desperate, those are the people that get filled. The people who pray one time and quit, they don't get filled. It's the people who say, God, I'm not giving up. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek you. This, this, I'm on a mission I'm on a mission from God, right? I'm on a mission that I'm not gonna give up or let up until you fill me up. That was good. If I was preaching, it sound better, but I'm teaching this morning. And so you gotta be hungry. Let me just talk about this too. I think people that are hungry to be holy get filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, my dad's not here today, mom's here, but last Sunday, you know, on the, on the second Sunday, I'm in growth track on the first service. A lot of times I preach to you, sometimes I don't. My dad preached last Sunday. You will not believe what my dad preached last Sunday. He preached on the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So I told the first service, I said, you're getting a double whammy this morning because I'm gonna preach on it again. And he almost preached everything I'm preaching today, which is weird because I wrote my sermon then listened to his message. But my dad talked about this. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, y'all, there were no Pentecostals in America. You know that, right? There were Methodists, Baptists, Presbyterian, Brethren churches. There weren't, there weren't any Pentecostal churches, Southern Baptists. And what happened was the churches were nominal. They, they, were, they were like Christians in name only, but they weren't, they weren't hungry for God. And a lot of them weren't living right. But there were people in these churches who were reading the Bible, and they said, we want to be real. We want to be authentic. We want to know God. We want to live for God. We want to do it the way the Bible says. And a lot of them got kicked out of their churches because they were stirring up trouble because they said, you know, you need to leave it alone. We're a social club. You need to get out of here. We don't want a revival, whatever it is you're talking about. So these people banded together and started holiness churches. Before the Pentecostal movement, there was a holiness movement. Did you know that? By the way, we're a holiness church. Did you all know that? And so, and so, what happened was these people just got hungry to live right, hungry to be real, just to be authentic that 's all it wasn 't fanaticism; they just wanted to do it the way the bot- Does that resonate with anybody in here isn 't that how you are? I know you are that's how I, I just want to do it God 's way. I want to serve God, and they got hungry. Well, what happened is in, is they banded together and they 're praying. Individually and as a group, for God to make them holy and that God will just live right and, and be separate from the world and serve you and please you. You know what happened? God poured out the Holy Spirit on them. They didn't know what was going on. Methodists and Presbyterians and Beth, they had no idea what was happening. They had to go to the Bible and study it, and they went over to Acts 2 and found out hey, this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. And that's how people became Pentecostal, whether well, it was Azusa Street in LA, that's not Lower Anderson, Los Angeles whether that was in Topeka, Kansas at a Bible college or whether that was in the mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee and Georgia where, where this denomination, the Church of God, where we, we saw the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. People were just hungry. Listen, if you're trying to see, as close, see how close you can live to the world and still hang on to Jesus, you probably won't get filled with the Holy Spirit because you're looking at the world instead of looking at him. People who get hungry and say, God, I just want to live for you and serve you and I want more of you, get ready. God will fill you with the Holy Spirit. The second group of people are those who, who want to tell people about Jesus as his salvation. I love to watch people who just get fired up and, and passionate for the Lord and they just want to share the gospel with Christ. I love that. But I know that that is frightening for a lot of us. But let me tell you something. Acts 1.8 says that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will receive power. And Jesus said to be witnesses to me. Witnesses. So I'm going to tell you this. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you get a boldness that you didn't have before. God can take the shyest, most introvert individual and fill them with the Holy Spirit, and they become bold, and they will tell anybody and everybody about Jesus. So if you say, I, I struggle with this. You need to get hungry for the baptism with the Holy Spirit. It'll change you. If you get in a group of people and 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 you're intimidated, they're businessmen or your co-workers. Listen, you don't you shouldn't let anybody in a suit and tie, you shouldn't let professionals, they are listen, when the day is done, they are just men and women like us with souls who need Christ to save them. Don't you ever hang your head in shame. Don't you ever hide behind anything. You stand for Jesus, and, if, and I am unapologetically Pentecostal. I don't care who walked in. I don't care. I talk to anybody in this town. Ta- Matter of fact, most people in this town know I'm spirit-filled. They know. They know who I am and what I am, and they don't look down on me. They respect me because I know about the power of God, and God will give me a boldness, and, and, and I'd witness to anybody because that boldness not because of me because if you knew me when i was young i was an intimidated very shy backward my mom can tell you this i was not that outgoing kind of personality i was sort of a scary kid growing up you know what i mean down south when i was mean, scary just really insecure but when god filled me with the holy spirit it transformed me it transformed me you think i mean for me to stand up here and preach like this to, to hundreds of people every sunday is a miracle of the power of the holy ghost Y'all, if he did it for me, he can do it for you. The third group of people that he fills are those who want to be used by God. Those who want to minister, those who want to volunteer, those who want to serve. Those are the people who say, God, just enable me so that I can be effective for you. So you say, Pastor, what do I have to do if I want to be filled? Three simple things. First of all, you ask. You just ask. There's There's a passage in Luke 11 where Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock, and the door shall be open unto you. For everyone that asks will receive. Isn't that a great promise? And he who seeks will find. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. And in the Greek, it literally means ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Knock. You ever knocked on somebody's door, rang the doorbell, and they didn't come? And instead of leaving, you just banged even harder and went ding, 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 ding. ding 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 and then just want to see the look of aggravation when they open the door and you grin. Hey, hey, stop ringing my doorbell. Open the door then. That's what you do when you go to God. God, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You didn't fill me this time, but I'm. this is the second time I'm coming back. Ding, 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 ding. I'm not going to stop ding, 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 until you fill me, Lord. So if you pray one time and quit, you didn't really want him. Amen, Pastor. I'll amen myself. When you get hungry, when I'm hungry, my wife finds six things to do before I can get her in the car. Any other man have to deal with that? The one honest man in the room, the rest are scared. And wives, we love you. And it is your prerogative to do this. And we men have patience because we've learned to wait. They that wait upon Leah shall renew their strength. So Leah finds season. And I'm hungry. I'm like, and I will follow her around the house. Don't do that, men. She'll go in the bathroom and she'll say, Don't stand over me. I'm the only one. I've learned that doesn't work either. That makes her just. I'm ready to eat, y'all. I'm ready to eat. I've been doing this intermittent fasting. So you don't eat from 7 to 11 or 12. Y'all come lunch. I don't want to eat lunch at 1. I want to eat lunch at 12 noon. Okay, I'm ready to eat. Don't drag around. Let's go. Okay. When you're hungry, you have a little bit more motivation, don't you? You with me? You have a little bit more. Listen, when you're hungry, you'll ask and you'll ask and you'll knock and you'll pray. And every time there's an altar call, you're down here. It doesn't matter what I preached on. You've got one thing in mind. God, I know He preached on unforgiveness, but I'm down here. God, fill me with the Holy Ghost. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. You see what I'm saying? We need to get that hunger. And we need to ask and just not give up relentless, be relentless until God fills us. Jesus said to that group, they were not saved. He said, all you fathers, you won't give bad gifts to your kids. You give good gifts to your kids. He said, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So just ask him. So all you gotta do is ask. It's in the Bible. Ask him. Second thing is Believe believe now you said this awful simple yes it is how many of you understood completely what was happening to you the day you got saved let me see your hand careful I I noticed not really anybody's raising your hand you know why you didn't because I doubt you even know what soteriology is soteriology is the doctrine of salvation Did, did you have did you say okay I'm I'm coming down here to pray and i'm i'm going to have a soteriological moment in my life. oh god of soteriology. i come now understanding the doctrine of propitiation and the appeasement of your wrath god would you come now through the blood of jesus would you cover the you've covered the wrath i appropriate now the covering of your wrath i think of the mercy seat in the old testament and how the blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat the covering and how God my sins need to be covered right now would you cover my sins oh god and would you atone for my sins and and god i need regeneration i need a, i need a regenerative work right now in my life i come oh god of regeneration would you regenerate me oh god right now and i need to be born again and i need this transformative all things will pass away all things become new. lord let me just talk about this for a while let me just dwell on this and give you 12 scriptures and a dissertation is that how you pray Hope not. You didn't understand truly adoption, regeneration, reconciliation. All you knew was you were messed up. You were on your way to hell. You weren't right with Jesus, and you needed to get saved, right? And you just said, God, I believe the story, and I don't know how it works, but I know it works. I've seen you do it for other people. Oh, God, forgive me. Wash me. Please save me. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I want to be right with you, God. Please, I believe. And what happened? God saved you. And yet, when you start talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people say, well, I need to study that more. I need to just read the Bible and believe. You don't have to understand everything about it. You just need to pray and receive it, and then God can teach you. Did you get, when you went to the dealership, did you get in the glove compartment and grab the manual and say, I'm taking this home, and I'm going to read this from cover to cover, and then I'll be back to make my purchase? Did anybody do that? Because I want to shake your hand. Well, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'll bump your elbow. No. Matter of fact, most of you never looked at the manual, have you. Sitting in your glove compartment. Getting in the way. Somebody taught you how to drive. Somebody modeled it. Come on, I'm preaching. Somebody showed you modeled it. You read the little book so you could get your license just enough to get by to pass the test. And you just get out there and do it. And then if you just run into trouble, every once in a while you say, well, I guess we better get the manual out and figure out. How many of you had a car that you bought for six months and then you found a button and you pushed it and said, wow, I didn't know it did that. Are you getting my point here? I'm just teaching today, okay? Same thing. There are things you're going to learn in the spirit. You're never going to figure it all out. Listen, you just need to believe it. Say, God, it's a gift for me. And I'm going to take it and receive it. God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. I believe that it's coming. I'm expecting it to happen. And then the last thing is receive. Let it happen. Receive. And it might happen in the altars. It might happen on your, on your drive to or from work. It might happen sitting in a parking lot somewhere. It, there's no telling where it'll happen. God will choose the time and the place. But you just have to say, God, I'm expecting. And then when it happens, you have to be ready and say, God, have your way and fill me up, and you receive. That's what we believe. That's what we believe as spirit-filled believers. What, what defines you? That God, if you ask and believe, that you can receive, and God will clothe you with power so that you can minister to people. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.